Well, hey there. Welcome back to Comic Book Workshop. It's a podcast about the craft of making comics. I'm your host, Jason Hammonds, and I am not an expert. I'm just trying to learn all I can from those who do it best. It's good to be back. Uh, This episode, I'm chatting with cartoonist Hunter Delaney about his new comic on Kickstarter, The History of Hardcore, which, by the way, you've got like a day left to go back it so go check it out right now uh kickstarter.com slash project slash the history of hardcore um it's an incredible comic i've read it i love it hunter delaney is one of the most exciting cartoonists in the game right now um and his name's going to be everywhere quite soon so you might as well get in on the ground floor of his work um but fucking hey how's it going everyone Uh, it's been a minute and uh i'm so excited to be recording episodes again um i i have had the nagging urge to get back into this uh for a bit and start talking to cartoonists again um and when i saw that uh uh, hunter who is a friend and also such a talented cartoonist was doing this kickstarter i felt like i really wanted to to at least you know help in whatever way i could to sort of get the word out because uh hunter like you know so many of us uh you know you listening and 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 so many people who have been on the show is someone who's just friggin made a comic on his own doesn't have like you know the the infrastructure and you know connections and whatever that that comes with more established cartoonists and publishers and and this type of work is the work that I always get so excited by because it's so singular. It's so specific to the voice of the cartoonist. Um, and something that you just don't find too often is something that unfiltered and pure. Um, and so I think it's, it's work to support and it's, it's a very compelling and, and, and interesting book for me, someone who knows nothing about hardcore. I loved it. Um, hardcore music i know hunter hunter clarifies that in the interview as well but i it's i feel like implied right i i whatever um man i uh since the last episode i recorded uh a lot of stuff has happened um you know i'm i'm too much to 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 get into for the sake of your own valuable time um but man i i've in the last uh, couple of years i've worked on two animated movies two animated series i got engaged my lovely fiance anna dresden she's incredible um uh, we adopted two more pets we now have two dogs uh in our house along with a cat uh the cat and the second dog sort of just wandered into our lives and and didn't leave um uh and by that i mean we chose to adopt them uh and it's 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 a bloody it's a cold war in our house um (laughs) none of them are on the same page none of them can agree on who should be where at what time they're not like fighting but they're not like they're not loving the sharing you know they're all just like each one wants to be immediately on our laps at the same time, but none of them want to be touching or looking at each other at any time. So it's just like constantly trying to like, you know, configure the sort of space of our house to like get, just get the pets to like exist without, without any tension. So that's been a whole thing. Um, been coloring a graphic novel, just about, uh, honestly, almost finishing up with that. Right now, friggin' the writer strike uh, happened and the actor strike, and that uh, that spurred me into going back to school and finishing up my friggin' degree. 
I'm outlining and thumbnailing a graphic novel myself right now. I'm I'm actually writing a comic with Hunter, who is on this episode, um, that we're really excited about. Uh, I, I'm feeling constantly overwhelmed and like impostery, where you know every couple of days I kind of have this huge mental hurdle where I'm like, shit, am I any good at anything? What what am I what am I doing? Especially like you go back to school, you know. I mean. I, I dropped out of school to work in TV uh, shit like I, I actually don't want to think about how many years ago it was because uh, everything is making me feel old. But like, it, you know, it, it, going back to school now, taking classes now, you know, working toward finishing a degree is like so insane because you put yourself like kind of on the same level as a bunch of people who are so much younger than you <laughs> kind of. I don't know. There's something about it like that, that it, it feels like um, that you're like progressing while also regressing. You know, you feel like there's something that you kind of closed the book on or, or at least like, you know, set it aside for a long time. And then you go back to it and there's something about it that's like fun and nostalgic and interesting and like, you know, uh, exciting. But at the same time, there's something about it that's so uh, uh, like feels like crawling back into the womb or something where you're like, wait, I thought I thought that I was done hearing these types of conversations from people um you know or 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 done like doing certain types of work or whatever like it just is bizarre but but it's also enriching and really um fun and exciting it's it's you know uh, doing like a regular you know day-to-day college experience was something i had never experienced i was working full-time during the day while going to school the first time and and just taking like night and weekend classes and even online classes that was a thing that was starting to happen back uh when i first went to school and like you know it's interesting which like again it's like it makes me feel old it wasn't that long ago but like man it's the way that you know the definition of school and college has changed over the past four years uh makes it seem like ancient history um but yeah i like so so weird being back into the swing of those things and then also simultaneously trying to like juggle all of the other things that are going on right now between you know this graphic novel that we're, we're getting over the line right now and then the stuff that i'm starting up with hunter and and my own book like i'm i've i've i think finally based on what i'm doing right now based on my thumbnails and outlines and stuff i feel like i've gotten to a level of writing and drawing that i at least feel uh comfortable with its competency or comfortable enough to accept it uh to where i'm not going to just constantly be rethinking things every time i start to get done with a page um and and that is that feels nice i mean it, it feels it's you know partially like finding my voice and then also partially like just gaining more technical skill especially in the drawing uh, side of things um so i don't know I'm, I'm i'm overall just excited about everything going on right now and uh nothing makes me more excited than talking to cartoonists like hunter uh who have put in this type of work and 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 made such amazing things and and so many of the people that we've talked to on this show you know uh dave baker nicole goo uh um uh Curtis Clow, Ryan Burke, like so many of the guests who I've had on this show have been exactly this type of person. Kyle Starks is another example, like people who put a book together themselves and and threw it out there and just hoped that there was someone out there for whatever their voice is. And all of those people I just mentioned have such unique voices and everyone on Kickstarter doing these comics, like there's so much originality and so much freshness that like 
kind of changes the game a little bit. It, you know, it, when I remember like when Sex Castle, Kyle Starks' book Sex Castle came out, like no one was making comics like that that were that gonzo and over the top and like funny um at least in the mainstream market and like that was a book that kind of i think got people to rethink and also just that were that were drawn that way his style of art obviously is is so different than so much of mainstream american comics and like that's that's something i see with hunter is just like it's it's this fresh you know uh interesting look and 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 storytelling that like you just don't find too much with comics that go through the editorial process and, and, and through the pitching process and, and, and all of that. And especially in periodicals where advertising is also an element of it. Um, it's, it's just so invigorating to like try and, you know, immerse myself as much as possible in the independent, you know, self-funded, uh, uh, self-publishing Kickstarter, you know, crowdfunding, like that segment of the comics market is always so exciting um anytime you know I'm, I'm fortunate to live in la where we have really awesome comic shops that that will stock themselves with independent self-published crowdfunded books um and anytime i go in and i'll see like the amazing stuff from like you know piao studio and and the x mag stuff and all the like ren mcdonald comics and and even seeing like box brown which obviously like box brown is is published by a great publisher um but like the non-fiction comics and his way of tackling that type of stuff and like you know of course like andrew mclean also another you know former guest of the show like what he did with headlopper taking a completely different format than most of the comics market had done and through kickstarter creating a new kind of segment of the market for this quarterly oversized adventure comic um i don't know i i just i'm i'm loving comics and i i like you know i, I got so <laughs> busy and like kind of detached from comics overall for a while you know just i working in tv and film sometimes is just so all-encompassing especially when it was during covid and you know whatever we were back and forth between the east coast and west coast like there were just a lot of things and i i, I kind of was pulled away for it a little while and and you know during the last few months i've been able to like really get my head back into comics a bit more and and uh, just is always so exciting and fresh and i know that there's a lot of people out there who talk about you know the death of comics and whatever the hell but like man it, it, i don't know to me it still feels fresher than ever and like seeing the way that certain creators are thriving on you know webtoon and tapas and and kickstarter and all of these other different mediums at freaking instagram like there's just so many avenues out there that are proving that there there is such a huge audience for it that it's just about finding the way to get to that audience right like the medium should never dictate how it's consumed it's always the audience that dictates that and clearly there are places where the audience is looking for it and looking for more and and looking to connect with people's voices and stories and like i don't know i'm i'm as you can tell i'm freaking amped up right now um but but i have i've yammered on for too long um i just want to say really quick before we get into the interview thank you so much to every listener who has reached out over the past couple of years to be like hey love the show like you know either to pester me about are there going to be new episodes or just to say like it's something that i listen to and still listen to and um have enjoyed etc etc like i can't tell you how um shocked i am anytime I receive one of those messages and how like a genuinely touched I am. And I have that like guilt imposter religious trauma thing where I receive something like that. That's like someone just saying something nice 
And in my head, I immediately am like, oh, oh no, I'm like, I, I'm fucking up. I should be doing that more or whatever. Uh, but it just it truly is like such a pleasure to hear that there are so many people enjoying the show and still enjoying the show. And like, I, I inexplicably, you know, during the time that I haven't released episodes, like very often the listener like if i check in on you know my analytics or something like that you know like the the listener numbers are going up and and things like that like people are still discovering the show and i hope that all of the interviews here are are you know valuable or at least entertaining resources for anyone else out there who is either making comics or just interested in the craft of comics because as i've said before i think it's the best medium there is it's it's the best way to tell stories uh in my opinion it's it's the perfect mix of of you know words and pictures it's it's such a pure expression um and i'm just happy to be able to like connect with other people who are into this shit as much as I am and like uh, who, who get so much out of listening to these great cartoonists talk about their work. Um, but without further ado, I think it's, it's, it's time for me to shut the hell up uh, so that I guess I can talk more, <laughs> but mostly it'll be Hunter. Um, there were a few moments in this, uh, in this call where the audio cut out a little bit. Um, so if you hear any of that, my apologies, I try to do my best to, to find ways to bring it back or make it seamless, but inevitably there are just going to be little moments where there's you know where hunter might cut out a little bit um but i think that it should be fairly you know inconsequential um um most of it was was pretty seamless um and and make sure to go and check out hunter's kickstarter again it's kickstarter.com slash project slash the history of hardcore you can find hunter on instagram at black x writer r-i-d-e-r um you can check the show notes i'll have all that in there um but again thanks everyone for listening thank you for the love while i've uh been been absent um and i i you know i've had this nagging desire to do the show more uh and and to you know at least get back to some rhythm on it so i'm i'm going to do that it's not going to be super regular you know as i just outlined all of the <laughs> different things that are occupying time right now um i'm not going to have tons of time uh uh to do this show but i'm hoping that that i can at least establish some kind of of regularity and rhythm um and you know that it won't be 2 years between episodes um you know and and maybe at some point i can get back to a manageable enough schedule to release you know an episode every week or two weeks or something but i don't know for now it'll be whenever there's some time carved out i'll i'll you know dm someone and be like hey you want to chat um but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it for now let's listen to hunter delaney talk about his amazing book the history of hardcore here you freaking go hunter delaney welcome to the show yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a a, a long time coming. We talked a, about having you on the show, like probably as far back as as when I was doing the last episode, which we just looked and found out it's been two years, uh, which certainly makes <laughs> me feel some type of way. Um, but yeah, man, I am excited to have you here. You've got your your new book, The History of Hardcore, up on Kickstarter right now. Um, before we get into to all of the nitty gritty of of the numerous questions that I'd love to ask you tell the listeners kind of what what the book is about and and uh you know whatever do 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 a little bit of uh uh intro into what the history of hardcore is yeah so history of hardcore is a book about sort of the in a nutshell 
like the title says, the history of hardcore. But uh, hardcore is uh, referring to the style of music known as hardcore. Uh, so it's not like some like you know hardcore it's not other of hardcore stuff. porn. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Which is but, different, but that's your next project is the history of hardcore porn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, uh, you have to keep it on the underground, you know, you don't want people <laughs> to find out about it. But, yeah. uh, it's about like the, a condensed version of the history of hardcore music that, um, is a, it follows two characters, James and Gabe. Um, James is sort of the, uh, the guide and Gabe is the audience character, uh, so they are going through time trying to learn a little bit about hardcore and almost right away things start to go haywire and mm-hmm. they start to affect the actual history of hardcore. And yeah, it, it goes through uh, what I find to be sort of the most uh, iconic aspects of like the uh-huh. early hardcore scene, but to find out the rest y'all are going to have to contribute to the Kickstarter. I'm not yeah, giving too to much book. away. No. Yeah. And it's, and I will say as, as, uh, from the privileged position that I'm in of, of having read the book, um, it's very fun. I like, I, it's rare to have a work of historical nonfiction like this. That's like, or historical fiction, whatever. What's the for, historical fiction? Is that the term? I get, yeah, it's like, yeah, historical it's, it's, fictional nonfiction is like what maybe we should refer to it as, but I kind of think of it as like historical fiction. Yeah. And it's, it's so fun because it's, you're taking a lot of like fun, cool genre angles on this where like there's, there's like a kind of X-Men days of future past element to this book while also doing the kind of like actual history like it, it's it's just a really fun blend of like uh the 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 things that we love about comics as a medium in America and also like giving you know the straight up like cool like kind of deep dive into hardcore music which I personally knew literally nothing about nothing <laughs> at all like I I know punk a bit I know pop punk a lot more which says a lot about uh you know what a what a sort of cringy um millennial I am. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's cringy. It's like the music we grew up on. Yeah, that's, it's that's right. our like hair metal. You know, like people love <laughs> hair metal, but like you, you don't see people walking around with like you know uh, certified striper fan here. You know, t shirts <laughs> or things like that. Sure. You know? sure. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, but like I I was fascinated by this book, and also to a larger extent, like. And I, this might be, this is either something that I've just talked about with friends a lot or something I've said on the show before, because again, it's been two years, so I don't know what I've said on the show. Uh, but the relationship between comics and music is one that is like so intrinsically linked. Like it's such a, a strong bond. And I kind of like, I, I have a lot of like theories as to why, but it's interesting just simply because like music is a medium that is like almost exclusively audible and comics is a medium that is almost exclusively visual. Like they're they're The two don't really have much overlap, except when you talk about like, you know, slightly more esoteric things like rhythm and whatever. Um, like it's, what? it's just interesting that they're linked so strongly. Yeah. Well, I, I think like what's unique about hardcore music too, is that um, 
and like how it relates to comics. Mm-hmm. It's just that they are like, I see them as like the same kind of like crowd in a way. Mm-hmm. Like you have like the speculator people who right. are, you know, buying up all the variants and, you know, getting the XYZ book because some app tells them it's hot and right. that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And those kind of people exist in the hardcore world too. Um, like with like vi- buying vinyl records or buying uh, a shirt from a band that you may not actually like, but you know, you could flip for like four or five, six times the price of sure. that shirt. Um, yeah. And then you also have the people who are like diehards, like who are not going to give up on the scene. And then like subsequently, like those people exist in comics too. Like the people who are like jacked in for life, uh, doesn't matter how many bad comics you read mm-hmm. there or good comics you read for that matter. They're <laughs> like, they're all in. And totally. um, I think like it is sort of the, like the reject crowd, right? Mm-hmm. You have like the, the so- sort of social rejects in a way of like the hardcore scene and like the social re- rejects of the, the comics world. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's interesting hearing about that. Cause like I'm, I've always been just like such a cool guy like the like i was like always just like really popular and like just people liked me and stuff and so i just have never kind of associated with that you know what i mean yeah me too i don't yeah i don't really know what it is because like Like, we're a couple of jocks honestly like i'm so glad i can like be popular all the time and really like have like an easy time like making friends especially (laughs) when i tell them about star wars (laughs) um and lord of the rings and like yeah yeah it's i i don't relate to it but i thought it was interesting for sure totally yeah like it's a fast from an outside perspective it's fascinating for you to like analyze the culture of people who like our social misfits yeah exactly get into the nitty-gritty details of it because it's not a world that i know yeah it's almost like escapism in a way where you're like wow what what would it be like (laughs) to not be this cool yeah I also uh, hope that people realize I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it sucks. Uh, two guys who I feel like uh, in our conversations in general, I feel like we're both pretty deadpan. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're we're very like we're like building into this idea. Like, wow, this sounds like a really weird book. This yeah. guy is sounds like an a hole and <laughs> like this guy why? thinks he's like really cool and like hates nerds and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, such a good way of uh, of promoting the book. i just discovered that in in the intervening two years between when i last recorded the software that i use just like integrated built-in sound effects we need like a dj khaled like playing the guitar oh yeah absolutely oh i i could probably find i could i could probably get it on here in about five minutes but i i think i'm gonna be too lazy to do it um it's such a random assortment of, of sound effects though. I'll start peppering them in, but like there's like five that are there and then nothing else. <laughs> no, no rhyme or rhythm to it. Uh, but I, I want to kind of go back and, and see, you know, and some of these are typical questions I ask in general, because I find they're always fascinating and lead to, to interesting conversation. Uh, but some of these are specific to, to who you are. And I'm, I'm going to start a little broad and just ask like, what is the first comic that you remember reading? Oh, so I don't remember reading like specifically a comic. Mm-hmm. I think the first comic that I remember I that I bought, mm-hmm. well, no, I guess that's not true, but there's like there's a couple comics that come to mind. 
there was this one like spider-man issue uh-huh. um i just remember like the the way that the green goblin was drawn at the time i thought it was like whoa this is the best drawing i have ever <laughs> seen in my life like how how has nobody in a museum seen this and, like i tried <laughs> to draw it for myself you know as like uh-huh. every like young kid who's getting into comics wants to draw does of and um i don't remember what comic it is though and i've like looked and i cannot find it for the life of me oh my god but uh i around that same time i went to borders with my dad and i wanted to find some comics to draw from uh-huh. um, and at the time i wasn't really into like the cartoony stuff i was very much into like uh photorealism so sure. i picked up um it was uh i think it's the new avengers volume two um, okay, yeah. of, it's bendis and steve mcniven on the art oh hell yeah yeah which like at the time i didn't think like well this dude's awesome uh like i i liked the art but i wasn't like i didn't understand who he was of course yeah you know like you're always just you're taking it in as a comic not necessarily connecting the people to it but being like this shit's so fucking cool right like i just looked at it and was like this is cool this is what i want to draw i mm-hmm. will buy this and copy the drawings inside mm-hmm. because that's how i make cool things Dude, i always in terms of mcniven because he was also like an early artist that i was really into like the the way that he drew the iron man suit in those marvel comics to me was always like i i could stare at it for fucking hours like the was- thickness on all the plates and stuff his like stuff early on too. It's interesting to see his progression as an artist because like looking at that uh, new Avengers volume that I have uh-huh. and comparing it to like even old man Logan, uh-huh. and, like uh, death of Wolverine and stuff like that. Like um, it's just so different, like so, so right. different and so unique and cool looking like and just little changes that he does that makes yeah. it like you you know it takes an exceptional artist and makes him legendary in the that the course of those books you know it's really cool to see oh a hundred percent yeah that that century it was the century volume right that that one yeah to, that's had, exactly yeah. it yeah it's got that team photo on the front yeah i, I loved because i i think my first exposure to mcniven was civil war uh and then from there, I kind of like tried to find anything else that he had done. And that led me to that new Avengers one, as well as old man Logan, I think, which old man Logan came out after civil war, right? I I think it did. Who the hell knows? But yeah. either way, it just like that, that yeah, him drawing the Avengers, especially with Spider-Man in the team at the time, Spider-Man and Spider-Woman, like the way that he drew their, the eyes on those costumes was always so compelling to me, which like is part of the appeal of Spider-Man in general is the, you know, insane eyes like or like all of the chainmail stuff on captain america's co- like just all that like detail where like i think as a kid you get so fascinated by like really detailed line work um, yeah well and it's funny too like thinking about that now because i would never try to draw like that in my of life of course yeah like i you know i'm not in like a process of like remo- removing things from my art necessarily but like I definitely have more of a mind mindset now of like less is more at least for my style. And so like when I see guys like Stegman or, you know, McNiven or anybody who has that ability to just like push detail, but like in a crazy way, 
I'm always like, whoa, I would never like, yeah. I just, do, it doesn't compute for me, even though it's like, totally. I know what they're doing. I can see structurally how they're drawing things. I can see, you know, where, where they're coming up with their ideas and who their influences are in some, some cases. Right. But yeah, I would yeah, ne- I, never be able to do that. I've, I've been the same way, man, where like I started out, you know, whenever I was drawing as a kid, I was always trying to get that like hyper detailed, like, you know, true to life sort of, you know, form to things. And, and my drawing it like was just always so stiff around that time. And then the older I've gotten, the more I think, you know, we're, we're kind of the same this way, like the more drawn I am toward, you know, heavy cartooning where you're really stripping back to the bare essentials and making things as clear and expressive as you can and like kind of eschewing anatomy and and you know physical logic and all of that stuff for uh you know whatever's going to tell the story best yeah i i agree with that like and it's but it's interesting too because yeah i still like in terms of reading i'm like yeah i will absolutely pick up any Steve McNiven comic I see or even like Alex Ross who I didn't like as a kid like anytime I see his books now I'm kind of like yeah I'm like that I mean that fantastic four graphic novel he did last year or whenever it was like such a sick piece of work that I cannot stop looking at and would that one's never crazy try to draw like that yeah honestly like that's a book that I, it doesn't feel like an Alex Ross book to me right o- only because like you know Kingdom Come I remember reading that and thinking to myself mm-hmm. like this book is like insane. Like, I don't know how somebody is doing this. Right. And then it's like, you know, then that becomes like Alex Ross to me. And then to yeah. see that fantastic four book where it looks like it's like, dude, who, who is this guy? This is not right. Alex Ross. And then like, you can see the kernels of, you know, his work there, mm-hmm. but like even things down to like the way he um, did like, I think he did like three layers of like different pencils on some of the pages and stuff like that, but like only outlines and then colored those outlines in a specific way. It's just like nuts. It's so nuts. And like, I think, I mean, it's the thing that to me, cause like, you know, I love his painting. It's, it's so tremendous and beautiful and like was never exactly the style that I was overly gravitated like drawn to as a reader but like to see him do something like that where it's you know so much of it is raw pencils and then a more stylized you know abstract color scheme was like yeah it just it feels like a completely new artist and it feels so fresh and invigorating from someone who is who's like been a professional comics artist for like whatever 30 years now um yeah it's wild it's wild to think that he's like you know, I'm not going to say Alex Ross is past his prime or something like that. It's not outlandish, but like the dude, like if he really wanted to, he could like phone in a book and people will buy it, you know, like just because like, you know, when does Alex Ross do sequentials anymore? Exactly. To, to see like him go, yeah, I know that that's what people are expecting. And then instead just do something that's kind of in my mind outside of what, he would normally do is just so cool to see yeah it's sick as hell and like all the the you know process pages and stuff that he posted like i i just i mean i i'm such a fan of that book and i hope he keeps doing stuff like that because it really it's like alex ross with such with an infusion of like jim steranko kind of thing where you're like 
you know, just going into such a fun, bombastic, abstract uh, version of of his storytelling that I just am am kind of addicted to now. Um, anyway, all that to say, uh, uh, you know, back to the back to the topic. Um, <laughs> but I, I I wonder, like, in talking about these, you know, like favorite creators and influential, you know, influential figures like Steve McNiven or whoever, like as you continued on as a comics reader from those first comics that you read, were there any artists that in your kind of, you know, younger days were making you want to draw the most, like, you know, as, as you read more and got exposed to more artists and comics? Yeah, I think I'm trying to think back. Cause there was a certain point where, you know, I discovered, you know, I played guitar and I discovered hardcore music and like mm-hmm. heavy, heavy music. And I like, also around that time started getting really good at drawing so i I went during high school i did like um uh like collegiate level classes for art oh cool um where it was like this program that was um sponsored by disney and they had like uh like i don't want to say like top performing art students um from high schools local high schools in southern california Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like basically the kids who were like in the beginner level art classes or whatever. And they were like better than the kids who were just taking it to take it. Um, so, uh, all of this is to say, I, w- I started going to these classes and it became like art was like a chore to me. So, mm-hmm. and that like coincided with music is really cool. Making documentaries about these bands is really cool. Going to shows, like all this kind of stuff. So I like stopped reading comics for probably or like even looking at comics really because i i don't know that i would say i like read comics as a kid um but um i stopped for like uh gosh 10 15 years maybe and um when i went to college i started um like getting more uh all right. One of, one of my friends, I went to a hardcore show mm-hmm. and it was at a comic book shop. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah. And it was, um, this shop, uh, that had like a loading bay in the back and it was huge. <laughs> and so the show was there, but the, the shop was still open. Uh-huh. And I remember walking around, I was like, Oh, this is like pretty cool. And I was like, you know, started looking around the shelves and the first book I saw was superior Spider-Man. Oh, and, um, that was one of the books that like when I first saw um, the art on it, I was like, Whoa, this is really cool. And then I subsequently went back to that shop um, maybe a couple months later or something like that. Um, and I started picking up more books uh-huh. and um, man, like I, it was like black science. It was like that, that oh period God, yeah. of time when like, Yep. New 52 had been out for like a year. Um, yeah. The Marvel the, Now thing was happening. And, yeah, then, and the image books were blowing up at that time too. You had like Black Science, Saga, mm-hmm. like um, all like, I mean, uh, what Witches probably was around that time maybe. Yeah, I was um, reading Witches or like the Court of Owls stuff. Like the Capullo yeah. art is like, like just insane to me. But totally. Um, as time went by, I started like getting like really, really into like the more image indie kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found, um, 
Mignola oh my and God. Um, like that whole vein of art. So like uh, Mignola, uh, Andrew McLean, uh, uh-huh. even like Bruce Tim and, and Darwin and yeah, all, all those guys that are like within that realm of like, you know, sort of the, the Batman uh, animated series adjacent guys. Right. Yeah. The kind of like animation language, like sort of stripped down, like, you know, uh, uh, strong shape language with, with, you know, as little detail as needed, um, like expressive. Yeah. And it's discovering Mignola at that point is such a fun thing. Cause I kind of had a similar thing with him where I was aware of him, but I just never really read Hellboy until like my twenties. Um, and like, discovering him at that point is so great because there's so much of it by the time you're in like the 2010s like oh yeah that you're able you know like so many of those image books like saga or whatever you're like kind of reading every month as it's coming out but then with hellboy you're like oh there's like a hundred issues of this comic that like i can go back and read um it's it's so fun yeah well and what's cool too is like you know i think i started with andrew mclean because i saw headlopper and i was like this book is tight yeah, like, this is super cool. I really like the art style. And I think at the time I like stupidly looked at, or no, 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 this is what it was. So you know how in the back of the first volume of Headlopper, uh-huh. he has all these um, uh, like variants. It's yeah. like a, a gallery of all the variants that Hell yeah, dude. people do. And I saw Mignola's variant in there. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's kind of odd. Like that's a, a really weird looking thing. <laughs> And then I like started to like be more aware of who he was Uh and then it just became like, Oh, like, so this guy does Hellboy. I've seen Hellboy. I've, you know, obviously seen the movies and I was like, aware, like you said, like aware of it, but like you, I I started reading Hellboy in my twenties and it's like far and away my favorite comic book character and series. Yeah. Just because of how, uh, one, his like art is just so, it changes so much. Oh my and, God. Like, it's so crazy to see to me. And, yep. and like at, when I was drawing, right, I was like looking at this stuff. I'm like, man, like he's going from like Marvel, mm-hmm. like book of the month kind of style art, refining it, refining it, refining it. And then, um, yeah, like I, I first saw Hellboy, the, yeah. and like the first volume, and was like blown away. And I started collecting his stuff, and then I found um, the Batman issue that he did called Sanctum. Yeah. And like that, that was what was like, okay, anything this guy does, I'm just going to buy. And so, yeah. yeah, it just is, it's, he was like by far like the biggest influence for me. And I, I don't know that I like see it so much anymore in my work, but I, I definitely look to him as like, what is he doing? How is he doing mm-hmm. it? And yeah, yeah. And there's, there's, there's certainly like in the, some of the things there, there's some shorthand that you use. That's very, uh, Mignolian, if that's a, a term, <laughs> uh, like there, there's certain shorthands that you use that I can see in here where you'll, you have some of these brushstrokes and stuff that you'll throw in for like just little, um, backgrounds in a panel and stuff that I, I, can see and i'm like oh yeah i I see where it's coming from um but at the same time yeah like and just in talking about mignola like the thing that's so crazy about his work especially with hellboy right because he has this one character who he's been doing since literally for 30 years now like that 
you can look at his first, obviously like the very initial drawing that he did of Hellboy for that like Comic-Con ad or whatever uh, is like way different. But like from the first issue of Hellboy to like the last issue of Hellboy in Hell, like his entire spectrum of drawing Hellboy, it's a completely different like anatomically it's completely different like his face structure is completely different it's like it doesn't look like the same artist but somehow when you look at the two things you're like yeah either one you'd see and you'd go that's mike mignola even if you somehow had hellboy erased from your brain uh you know what i mean like it's so different but still shares this like same kind of i don't know spirit to it that is this fascinating and i find both so compelling equally despite the fact that they are so just entirely different. Um, and I do like, I don't know if you've ever read cosmic odyssey, the, the DC book that he did with Jim Starlin. Dude, you know, I, I haven't, it's funny. I was like watching, uh, as you know, uh-huh. which the audience may not know. I'm a huge mark for the kayfabe guys. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But they were covering it. And I was like, you know, I've seen a bunch of these issues and it's funny because like, that's one of those books that I don't know. I think it's too mainstream for me. I like <laughs> look at it and I'm like, yeah, I know it's Mignola. Like I, I see it. Uh-huh. It's awesome. But then I'm like, but it's just not, it's, it's too polished. Like if I, <laughs> in a way, like I look at it, I'm like, this is so mainstream and I see the foundations of what uh-huh. was there. And it, like he's doing know, too much of that big two styles, what you're saying. Yeah, and I yeah. think too, I, if I remember correctly, somebody else is inking him at that time. And yes, I can't remember who his inker was at that time, but yeah, it's, yeah. It was someone. I oh yeah, it, no, it was uh, whoever Garzon is. I don't know who that is, honestly. Well, he and unfortunately for that guy, he uh, was not p- linked with Mignola after that, <laughs> in my mind. So. Yeah. <laughs> I see. That's it's one of those things where, like, I do, I do get it because it's really. You're right. It's not it's not what you go to Mignola for normally, but there's something about it that I, I really love seeing an artist like that who has such an iconic style. Carlos Garzon is the inker. Um, He has such an iconic and well-known style, but like, it's interesting to me. Anytime I see an artist like that, whose style is interpreted through someone new, like, you know, a different inker than he normally works with or whatever, where like you can see the Mignola flair and the like ways that he tends to draw, but then like with this very different type of finishing, you know, and, and it is, you are right. Like it's, especially for the time, it's a very big two style in a lot of ways, but then there's certain areas where like the Mignola abstraction just can't help but show. And like the way that he draws like certain bodies and legs and stuff, like, I don't know, there, there's something to me that's so fascinating about cosmic odyssey. And it's like, maybe my favorite DC book even though the story at some places can be a little whatever. Okay. And like, yeah. you know, it's, but, but like, just, I don't know that, that period of Mignola is fascinating to me, which is like just the period, like right before he's about to, you know, embark on, you know, Hellboy and, and, and kind of break away from the big two people. Yeah. I love the stuff that he did in X-Force. That oh, is yeah. like, oh my God. so cool. And then even yeah. uh, Savage Dragon too. Yep. Like those issues are like, you know, anytime I see those issues, I'm like, yep, yeah. I'm buying it. I don't care. Well, and the, the cool thing about um, 
the the x-force issues that he did too is it, it's kind of the same thing we're talking about right where it's it's rob liefeld's layouts that are then yeah. interpreted through Mignola, who like couldn't be a more different storyteller yeah and like that weird tension between the two which to honestly to tie it back to pop punk i'm sorry for those people who don't like pop punk and yes i recognize it's not great art but like uh <laughs> it's it's the thing that i like when i'm listening to a band like blink 182 is the like kind of cognitive tension between the sort of ideals of the creators behind the thing right where like the 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 line between mignola and liefeld is this really interesting mishmash between like character work and bombastic like exaggerated action the same way that like when i listen to blink 182 you get you know some of their best songs that are like this really deep kind of slow like moody vocals from mark with these really like high whiny vocals from tom and like the insane drumming from travis that doesn't belong in a pop punk song like those kinds of things whenever it's creators that feel so distinct from each other that are working on the same story it's fascinating to me to to dive into yeah i've never thought about it like that that's like a interesting perspective it's almost like to tie it back to Blink-182, right? It's <laughs> it's almost like the like um like weird dichotomy of their like, you know, immature like mm-hmm. <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if uh right. style music, but that is like in also they're the same band that put out like the self-titled album which is like mm-hmm. in my mind one of the greatest albums of the the 2000s straight up it's so good like yeah i mean even like whether it's you know songs like stockholm syndrome which is like a very like you know moody song that's like not no bits at all but then you've got feeling this that's just about fucking but it's like a real like straight up banger and like a well-composed song um anyway we don't have to dive too much into (laughs) (laughs) into i'm down I can always talk about blank. I like blank. <laughs> you can tell I've been listening to the new album a little too much. Um, Dude, I couldn't get into it. I like, I don't know what it is, but I think like this new, it's not my favorite album era of blank to me is like, it's how would I describe it? It's like phoned in a little bit. It's how I feel. I, I feel that way with a lot of the songs on the new album. There's like four songs to me that I do really like. And then, most of the other ones like i might have liked it the first time or two that i listened and then fell off and there's some that i just hate like i really hate the song edging i think it's a terrible song um and like one more time i liked the first couple times i listened to it because it felt like emotional or whatever and then every time i hear it now i'm like skip 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 please yeah i like the like lyrical content of that song and i think like the idea that they're all singing on it is kind of cool yeah but uh yeah it's just I think they are, it's like, um, you know, when like you see like Steven Seagal is like still trying to make a movie (laughs) kind of where it's like, Oh yeah. He's, you know, bro, like I get it. You're in your Steven Seagal lane and people will buy it. You know, people watch it, but it's not like, you know, prime time. Like, wow, everybody is like in love with this guy kind of idea. Not that like that ever happened, but you know, it's, it's just that it's almost like they are they they want to make music together and yeah. like i appreciate that like that's cool that they've like squashed right. the beef and you know they're they're all friends again but also it's like guys like you know like a band like some 41 right they just announced oh, yeah. like, you know they're not gonna they're not doing anything anymore and i think that's cool because like every album they put out in my opinion is like great you know, they don't have, they have like songs that are not as good as other songs, sure. maybe, yeah. but 
they are like so tight and they're ending it when they want to. And I feel like blink honestly, as many times as they've like broken up and gotten back together at this (laughs) point, I feel like after self-titled, it probably could have been like, you know what guys, like we can do music together. That's fine. Let's just not call it blink. Like let's call it something else. And that for me is like why I think I have such a disconnect with (laughs) their newer stuff. Cause it sounds like a different band. Like they don't sound the same, which which has always been the case where you like, you've got like the band that did dude ranch is not the same band that did anima and, um, take off your pants and jacket, which is also not the same band that did, the untitled album and definitely not the same band that did neighborhoods and that band is not the same band that did this album like and obviously the two albums they did with skiba are their own thing which are insanely overproduced and not fun but like I, there is still something i like about it right and and most bands go this way that that stay together like guns and roses or whatever where you're like yeah i'm not fired up about a new guns and roses album really uh <laughs> I think everybody, every band deserves to have their Chinese democracy <laughs> 20 year album. Yeah. It's, but, but like to tie it back into comics, cause I know there's some people listening who are like, I don't give a shit about any of these <laughs> bands. Um, but like that, that this is kind of the thing that I really love about comics as a collaborative medium is like, and I obviously I love single cartoonist works for sure. Um, but like in collaborative comics, this is something that is really fun to me because it's a lot like what we're talking about with bands where like these are, you know, disparate people with disparate influences coming together to try and make one cohesive, you know, work. And obviously, like everyone aiming for the same thing is always the goal. You always want everyone to kind of be trying to make the same comic the same way that like we talk about this a lot in like movies or TV shows that I've worked on that like the job of the director, the most important job of the director is to make sure that everyone is aiming for the same target. Because if all of your crew are making completely different, you know, that, that have a different ideal of what the thing should be and are aiming for that ideal. And it's, you know, a hundred different ideals for what it's going to be. Then the thing is probably going to come out a mess. And I think in comics, it's, it's, it's the same where like you, you want to be aiming for the same ideal, but at the same time you have, and same as it is in movies and every, other kind of like collaborative medium where like everyone might be aiming for the same thing, but that target is informed by completely different, you know, backstories. I mean, like if we're, if we're literally taking the aiming metaphor and turning it into like, you know, if you're doing target practice with archery or something and you're shooting at the same target, those arrows are going to hit the target at different angles and maybe in slightly different spots on the target. And that's kind of the thing that like in this collaborative medium is going to bring out the beauty where, there's a just a, a just enough tension between the artistic goals of the different collaborators that it makes it more interesting than something that could have been done individually by anyone in that combination. And not not to say that that's always the case, but that's the the hope, right? Yeah. Well, I think too, like even um, just like to tie it back to you know history of hardcore. Yeah. Please. I w- one thing I wanted to do is have um, like a you know, like you, I really love back matter in books. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and so one of the things I wanted to have was a, um, like a cover gallery, pinup gallery type thing. And I've contacted a bunch of people, uh, but there is this one, um, one artist who's sort of a part of the hardcore scene. Uh huh. And it, like, I think that collaborative ideal of comics, 
is something that I've had to learn about because I've done stuff just by myself for so long because mm-hmm. my my thought process was I'm too cheap to pay an artist and I know I can draw right. so I'll just do it myself but seeing like even like uh just like people interpret my characters in a way like I had this guy Casey uh the one I was talking about mm-hmm. he he does photo realism um and his art is just insane because he does like uh like graphite drawings oh cool you'll have to follow my page everyone because i'm releasing a little preview of this this piece that he did and it's insane like it is truly something that i was like i've never thought that my characters could look this cool and you know it's just it's just wild and cool to see like you know, like you're talking about, um, one thing being interpreted right. through one lens, but aiming at the same target. Right. And even like the stuff that we're working on too, it's like yeah. so cool to, to see and, and just to, to understand like, Hey, we both think differently, but when we, when we hit that target, it's like it feels so much more impactful than like just doing it by yourself a lot of the time yeah and there's so much fun to it and like and the the thing is like it's it's the there's like two appeals where like i i love single cartoonist books so much like yours and 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 i there's so many cartoonists that i follow where like i think the appeal there is like you're getting a purity of vision that is like truly just from one person which i think is really strong in in history of hardcore and like it's the reason i love headlopper and and the reason i love you know uh, orcs and so many of these other books by by you know solo cartoonists um and like that 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 you kind of go to that you go to a single cartoonist book for like i want to see this person's voice and then you go to collaborative books for the 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 tension between those voices and the kind of whatever comes out of that and they're both amazing and both always so interesting to look at and read um and it's cool to have a medium that's capable of of these you know disparate kinds of like uh uh you know results you know like that that you can there's very few mediums especially visually that can be achieved by one person and that is such a cool thing about comics is that it, it kind of is the one you know visual medium that does not need any other factors except one single person to make it but yeah and 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 it's been fun for us like you know we're we're collaborating on a thing and and both of us are people who both write and draw uh in addition to you know whatever coloring lettering all that stuff but like to have the two of us who you know this book that we're doing i don't think either of us would have necessarily done on our own as a solo thing but is like the result of our two interests and influences and and you know like visual styles storytelling styles all that stuff and like yeah figuring out for both of us how to meld those two things together into like one single thing is like such especially like you know for the readers having this book of yours you know the history of hardcore and then being able to compare it to like the same way that we talk about like Mignola when he's doing, you know, uh, Hellboy in Hell versus when he was doing whatever Guardians of the Galaxy or X-Force or something. Yeah, yeah. You can look at them next to each other and be like, oh, this is this is interesting to see these two separate 
ways that this creator is working, you know? Well, dude, you know, no, no offense to the readers of the book, but like also like, you know, for me, it's cool. Like I get to see, you know, the progress from like, you know, the very first comic I did, which it will never show anyone, <laughs> which I, I, you know, I think if you look online, you could probably find it, but it's not good. I wouldn't recommend it. And it's like kind of a, a pockmark on my record. I feel, um, but, um, yeah, like even the stuff that I'm doing now, like, you know, I was drawing a few days ago for our project and it's just like, I look at it and I'm like, this is the first time I've looked at something. And I'm like, this is freaking cool. Like this is, th- this is going to be cool to read. Yeah. And like, you know, I know that I'll look back on it and go, what was I doing here? This right. is ridiculous. Look at this. Like this Every is, time. this is trash, you know, cause there's stuff that I've done in the past. I'm like during, during drawing, I'm like, man, this is, this is really cool. I got this. And it like, you know, it almost never holds true in the end that right. I like, I think I've got it, but that's kind of nice too. Cause it makes you, um like be aware and like pr- try to progress and i think bringing those other people in kind of to tie it together what we're talking about is like what what helps you progress like bringing 100 bringing different perspectives or even like whether it's you know you are a individual cartoonist who's doing the whole thing by yourself but having other people look at it and giving their insights on it like that right. to me is like you know just so cool that's what part of what draws me these days to the medium of like, you know, it's almost instantaneous, the changes that you can make where sometimes with like, you know, movies and and scripts and things like that, it's not as easy to, (laughs) um, like, or maybe not even easy, but like less enjoyable, honestly, like it it, it makes it more of a task. Whereas this is like, I want, I want to hear what, you know, Jason has to say about, um, this panel or, you know, I am excited to see what they do with my characters, what Casey does with my characters. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's cool to like be able to, to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. It's, it's so you're totally right. Like, and, and, and it's not, you know, ha- like having worked in TV and, and film, like both in animation and in live action, like every phase, every iteration, you know, it's, it can be, it can be tough. It, like it, it can just be a really, you know, tough environment to, to be creative and to kind of, you know, uh, learn how to like navigate the, the feedback and notes and, and changes and, and all of the different versions. I mean, God working in animated features, like it's so iterative. It's so, you know, you see a thousand versions of every single scene over and over and over again until it reaches whatever its final completed version is, which usually just means like, it's time to turn it over. Like we got to, <laughs> we got to get this thing finished, you know? Um, yeah. And, and it's, it can be tough. And, and, you know, I've seen how, how it can really kind of hold people down. Uh, but in comics, I think one of the biggest differences is like, you know, especially in independent comics, the people who are giving you the feedback, the people who are kind of like, you know, going into this with you and being like, Oh, what if we try this or that? Like those people have skin in the game, you know, they're, they're, they're part of it. Right. Like when, when, you know, we're working on our thing and you're as, you know, talking about an idea that you had or a thing that you think would be fun or whatever, like 
that's you as the artist who is drawing this book, right? And then like, you know, if if I have an idea, it's me as the person who's writing or coloring, you know, like that we're kind of we're not we're not saying something ever as like a cold sort of like oh yeah i don't know do this like or like following some rule it's always like oh i think this would be the like this would be something that would be fun for us to do you know yeah um and that's that's i think such a fun like just a cool place to be be working from is like what feels exciting you know (laughs) like what if i saw it what would be uh what would make me want to grab it on a shelf i agree i agree dude and so i and i'm curious in in that way like you know, right now, as you, I mean, you know, this is, you got, what is it, 98, 96 pages of sequentials in here, and then um, a bunch more of like back matter. Like, as you're working consistently drawing pages and stuff, like, what is it to you right now that makes you want to draw? Like, when you, what, what is it that's, that gets you invigorated to, to sit down and start drawing? Well, I think, that's a good question only because it changes so much. Like I think when I'm in a project, like when I was working on history of hardcore (laughs) and this is going to sound a little um, bad, but what was motivating me was not having to draw it anymore. And, (laughs) and it's because there's stuff that I wanted to try that I, I couldn't, Uh that I was not able to when I was like, deep in it like i can't make changes i can't change the style like i can't draw things that i want to necessarily right like i can keep keep working on it and refining it but you don't want to have at least in my opinion like i think like to have a book that starts looking one way and ends looking another Mm -hmm. if it's too far out then you get a little bit like yeah how would i describe it it just gets a little bit uh kooky to look at i feel like yeah if that makes sense. Totally. To like tie it back to what you, what you're asking. When I, I think right now, when I sit down to draw, I think what gets me amped is the, um, like I know where it's going in some capacity, right? Like I've seen the script and like, I think taking the time to like be able and having the flexibility to be able to be like, okay, I can try something now because I'm Mm -hmm. out of, this, this other book, uh, that to me is really exciting. And it's like seeing the progress on the page to me is like, mm-hmm. well, this is cool. I know I can do better. And I like, I <laughs> yeah. want to do better right. uh, because I know this story is cool and I don't want people to pick it up and think, yeah, it's whatever. Or uh, like, I want people to look at, and that's with anything I do. Right. I don't, right. I want someone to see it and think not just like, oh yeah cool like ambivalence like i would rather have somebody like go like wow that looks atrocious or that looks really cool and i really like the story or like i I didn't like the story at all is a stupid kind of thing like those (laughs) those are the kind of like speeds that i would want to be in uh rather than just like yeah whatever because there's like tons of comics out there that are like yeah whatever comics and people buy them um but to me the comics that i like that stick out in my mind are like like I said, either those ones that I'm like, yeah, that was not cool. Mm-hmm. Or this was really interesting to read, really exciting. Um, but yeah, hopefully I hit that mark. But <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting that you say that because I, I, I feel kind of the same way. Like, especially, you know, movies, comics, whatever. Like, I feel like with, with how much um, 
framework there is around all of this stuff um in terms of criticism in terms of like you know whatever editorial notes and people's ideas of you know what a story should be or all of those things like it does sand off the edges and make things feel very and i think sometimes like some of the biggest mistakes that i've caught myself making and also that i see independent creators make is that they try too hard to emulate the things that are done in the sort of factory setting, right? Like that they're almost giving themselves these notes that come from companies that are giving the notes because they're afraid of, you know, uh, uh, corporate messaging or, you know, brand identity or whatever, like that they're like giving themselves these rules that they don't have to follow because that's the thing that is kind of like presented as law. And I think the magic of independent comics especially is like the freedom from those things like th- those those kind of image based like corporate thinking based notes that come more from fear than they do from um you know storytelling ideology and because the the mass of comics movies tv shows whatever is kind of fine you know like good enough it's competent it it looks pretty good like you know etc like it's a, a lot of it is just right about there the things that can make you react the things that stand out from what's on the shelf are always going to be either the things you love or the things you hate and like it's kind of the thing that that appealed so much about jack kirby you know back in the day or mike mignola like these artists who have very distinctive styles that you know oftentimes people are going to look at and go oh that I don't I don't like that. That's ugly or that's weird or goofy or whatever. And then also oftentimes they'll have that initial reaction and years later kind of be like, actually, I think that's pretty fucking dope. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like that's like, you know, it's funny you should like bring that up, right? Because it's like my my wife knows I love Mignola and I love Andrew McLean and like, you know, all these guys, right? Right. But when I like shown shown them to her like look at how cool this is and i you know i kind of like you know i I try not to tell her too much about it because i know i don't want to like mansplain like well look at how cool this is you know like (laughs) right but um i'll show it to her she's like yeah it's just not for me you know and like i really don't like that but like i'd rather have like i was saying like the whole mindset of like stuff that comes out now would that is that works like to me is not interesting. Like gets the job done is not what made Jack Kirby's career gets the job done is not what gets like Sammy Harkham's career Mm -hmm. um, to where it is, you know, like all, all these guys that like anybody, even like McNiven, right? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think that that guy is, he's a house guy for sure. Marvel guy, but I don't think he's going and saying, yeah, this works. Like his yeah. stuff sometimes is like, you know, like a little out there, but that's cool. You know? Yeah. The thing, cool. the thing that appealed about his stuff at the time was that like, like when you've, you know, when you looked at civil war, it didn't, or, you know, or the new Avengers or anything like it has certainly some of that flavor to it, a lot of that flavor to it. But like when compared to the rest of the books that Marvel was putting out at the time, you still looked at that and you were like, Oh yeah, that is different from the rest of these books. You know, <laughs> like it, it, it was distinct, even if it's not like, the most challenging artwork you've ever seen or anything it's he was putting his voice into it instead of doing you know the thing that because i think that 
again, it, it comes back to like that, that tension between, you know, editorial and the creator, right? Like I think the best big two comics are the creators are finding where they can push up against, you know, the editorial ideals and mandates and stuff, because, you know, the, the, the editors and publishers, you know, oftentimes their, their agenda is like, they need to protect the brand, the company, right? Like their whole job is to make sure that things fall in line with what they want. And what they want is going to be one set of specific things. And then what the creator wants are going to be a set of specific things. And I think the like ideal versions of what comics can be are when those two things are a little bit at friction with each other. You know, like I'm sure Dark Knight Returns wasn't exactly what the publisher was wanting out of Frank Miller at that time, you know, or, or like Watchmen, right? Like clearly wasn't because it was supposed to be DC going, Hey, we've got these Charlton characters, Alan Moore, write us a fun story. And he goes, I'm going to kill all of them. And they're all going to be really bad people. And like, it's going to be a paranoid thriller. And they went, okay. Um, yeah. So just don't use any of our characters with that then, (laughs) like, you know, like it's that tension. That's like, you're pushing up against what the framework is you're given by editorial. And I think that like, that is good and that's what should be happening and that's the job of editors is to find the ways to adapt and the sort of concessions to give and same with creators like you've got to be able to find those things that you're going you know what like i can't do this right like this xyz this is a thing i can't do but i can try and do this i think it's worth doing this i think that like this is a worthy risk of taking and like that friction between creator and editor is the thing that that makes these things beautiful and to to tie it back into the point like i think that someone like steve mcniven i'm sure was not always giving editors the thing that they were really wanting before he proved that people that readers wanted it you know like right i'm sure much like mike mignola before him much like a lot of these artists who do corporate comics like the early part of their careers bill sinkevich a lot of these people like the early part of their careers, they're doing what's expected. They're doing the thing that they think the editors are going to want. And sometimes it's not even the editors saying they want it. It's just the artist thinking, well, this is what they want because this is what their books look like. And I'm sure a lot of editors all the time are going, oh man, I wish this artist would like try something risky, you know? Right. Um, and then that's what makes these guys pop. We're like, yeah, Bill Sienkiewicz suddenly starts using airbrushes and gouache paint and stuff on his pages. And you're like, I have no idea what the hell this guy's doing now, but it's amazing. <laughs> Right, right. Well, even like, um, I was thinking as you're talking, like a guy like Jerome Opeña, right? Yeah. Oh my God. He's like, in my mind would be, if you are just like looking at his art for the first time, you think, yeah, he's a Marvel house guy. Right. Well, like realistically, I don't, I don't think he is. And like to see his stuff on seven to eternity, um, is like, and even his stuff in like fear agent, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and comparing that to like his, uh, what is it? Uncanny X-Force. Yeah. 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 Uh, that stuff is like, I don't know. It's just, it's, I don't think any of it is like safe, right? Yeah. Like none of it is safe. And like, I was looking the reason why I bring it up too, I think is cause I've been reading through seven to eternity recently, mm-hmm. like doing a reread on it. And like some of the panels that he does, I'm like, dude you're taking some risks man like he he's like just like not not closing edges on things yeah but like and you'd only notice it if you're like hyper focused if yeah. you pull back you don't even like you wouldn't your mind fills in the rest and like to me like yeah. that idea of like your mind filling in the rest 
like how an artist does that is mind blowing to me. It's it's just wild that he's able to do that with like reduced, like what we're talking about, like reduced line work, mm-hmm. reduced like imagery. But yeah. like, if I'm sure like an editor saying, Oh, you know, you, you have to make it precise. You have to make <laughs> sure that it's this way and you ha- it has to be this yeah. way. And it's like, and, and this isn't, you know, I don't want to bag on editors or anything. Cause like, I think that so many, and I know quite a few and like they are, they are, oftentimes people who do really want to find interesting stuff and 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 to tell very interesting stories within that framework and they're often the ones who are bumping up the most against the company you know mandates or whatever or the or the you know the restrictions that they run into on content but it is the thing where it's like you know especially in this in this kind of freelance framework like you're just trying to deliver pages at a consistent rate so that you can get a consistent paycheck and like the easiest way to do that without having to go back and redo earlier work is to give them what you think they're expecting, you know, because then you know that they're not going to, you know, come back to you with a thousand notes. And so to take that risk and be like, you know what, I'm risking that I might have to go back and redraw this page, but I think that it looks better this way, you know, and, and with coloring too, like to talk about Jerome Pena, like on those books with, you know, Frank Martin or Matt Hollingsworth coloring him, like it's the, the color work as well is like really out there, you know, and, and, not the thing that any colorist is going to go in being like, yeah, editorial will be cool with this. Like <laughs> this will go right on by without any notes. Um, like there's a lot of, especially the Frank Martin stuff in that X-Force book is like really abstract coloring and really like weird and interesting stuff that I love looking at. Yeah. Yeah. And like kind of like what you, you mentioned it briefly, but I don't want it to seem like I'm saying like editors don't know what they're talking about. Like I think oh, they course. do a lot of the time. Yeah. But I think it's like they're looking at it from the perspective of like a business, like a corporate. Of course. Uh, they're, they're, they got to maintain what they're doing yeah. because, you know, Marvel can't publish, you know, I hate Fairyland. Right. Right. You know, like because even though, like, you know, Scotty is employed by both companies right scotty scotty's a fun example too of of sort of what we're talking about where like early in his career he is not the scotty young that we know right it's not until he does that oz book which is still marvel but but in its own little pocket like he had done you know some much more house style like sort of humberto ramos uh type of drawing before that and then he he does this oz book that's much different and suddenly people are like oh what if we did Marvel characters, you know, in that kind of style and then Scotty Young forever is raking in cash on variant covers and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it makes his career, you know, like it's, it's those moments of, of friction and doing the thing that's not expected. Cause up until Oz came out, there's no way any editor would have let him draw a book like that. Because like, ultimately, if you're an editor and you let a book like that across, like number one, the publisher or whoever is probably not going to, um, but number two, like if that book tanks, that hurts your career, you know, that hurts your livelihood. And like to do in those universes that are connected with fan expectations, like to do something super weird in that context is risking having it completely blow up in your face and like affect your livelihood. And that's just not something that most people can afford to do, especially in an industry this small. Yeah. But to speak about, you know, the the kind of like the the growth and 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 you know, changes and, and whatever lessons that you learn, you know, over the course of, of making works and the ways you adapt, like from beginning to end on history of hardcore, were there any big things that you noticed about the way you were working that changed from beginning to end of this book? 
Oh, 100%. Like when I, so I, I actually started um, drawing and working on the book in 2019, mm-hmm. um, which seems like a really long time to finish uh, what, like 98 pages, hundred pages. But right. what happened was I, I did the Kickstarter for the first issue and then I was able to get it put out Then the pandemic happened mm-hmm. and we moved to Ohio. And yeah. You my, guys had a lot of life happening uh, <laughs> yeah. in between starting this and, and, and being able to finish it. Yeah, exactly. A lot has happened. So, and, and those kind of like added, uh, I'm not going to call those things like hiccups, but right. it, it definitely was like, um, that's, that's gotta be the priority. Um, of course. and, uh, all this to say, I also got kind of like, I don't know. I, I originally intended it to be like this, like, you know, uh, longer thing that I would put out regularly. And I think as time went by, uh, when I was approaching it, I realized like, no, it has to be finite. And mm-hmm. so, sort of like how I started working was I would just thumbnail digitally and procreate really, really quick. Um, and you know, this is probably the stupidest thing and I will never do this again, (laughs) but, um, I didn't have a script. So, but I, I knew I like wrote notes down of like, all right, this is the first page. Here's what needs to happen. Almost like Marvel style a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, and, uh, so I would, you know, write the first page, write the second page. And when I get to a point where it's like, okay, I know that this is going to take four pages or whatever I need to, I'll just write, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And during it, it was very free because I was able to like, kind of like go into the pages, spend as much time as I wanted and thumbnail it really quick. And, uh, I think in the course of, uh, a month because I, I actually redrew the first issue for the book um, to have a more cohesive right. style with where I'm at now. Um, and I, I drew that first issue and then thumbnailed the entire rest of the book in, I think like a, maybe like two weeks or something like that. Oh, wow. And because it was just like, all right, cool, cool, cool. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. Thumbnail it out. No problem. I think what took the longest time though was translating that into something that like was cohesive from page to page and mm. then going back through and like figuring out the sort of story that I had in my mind at that time. Um, mm-hmm. It was an interesting challenge because it, it helped me think a little bit more about, okay, well for next time I know what I need to do differently. Right. Uh, but also when I approach the page, like there are things that I think I would try to impose a little bit more restriction on me Hmm. only because I think it will, it forces me to be a little bit more mindful. Like even things as simple as like, you know, gutters, right? Like, right. Sometimes I have like a hard time with gutters when it comes to like, like I understand logically when you're (laughs) reading the page, like what they do and I'm not like opposed to them. But uh-huh. there are times where I'm like, this doesn't need a gutter. It'd be better without it because it's just, you know, straight, like more action right to the point. Right. You don't need it. Um, but, you know, like I think towards the end of it, I was I was realizing like, oh, okay, well, you know what? Gutters, I think, are important in certain scenes and things like that. So, taking those lessons and applying it um, to like future projects is definitely right. 
the big takeaway. But as far as like um, my process to get the book done, yeah, yeah, I would not recommend doing um, the like sort of like not to say it was like from the hip, but like not having something as a backup to know where you're at because the right. lettering was like a little uh, mm. a little more time consuming. Yeah. than I than I thought it would be for sure because I've had the the book drawn for you know it's it, it's been done for a while so sure, the sure. lettering took like a month or something like that are you are you lettering digitally or did you go in and hand letter this no I did it digitally but with That's good. I'm hand- so glad to hear that <laughs> yeah well it's cool though because I, I I did I created the font off of my handwriting oh cool so um yeah, that's something that people have been doing lately. It's really sick. Cause yeah, it, I in reading it, it felt really like hand letter. You know, like it, it did not feel like a font. It didn't feel prepackaged. It, it really felt, um, yeah, like it was like it was a, a very original kind of font. And that's something I've been seeing from cartoonists lately that I really love. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's it's cool too because it actually like lettering it was probably the most I've learned doing a comic in a, hmm. in a while because it's like I didn't I think like before I was not as hyper focused on lettering um but you know now I like see things I'm like whoa that's like wild like what some of these guys are doing I just find it really interesting and like super cool that you know this book now like these characters is this is a little esoteric but like these characters when people read it they're going to be like they are in a way speaking with my voice but like on the page right and like with my handwriting and like that's that's kind of cool and like to figure out oh like you know using a different pen and to create like a thicker more bold look and things like that like that was super cool to experience and i'm like definitely thankful that i decided to go that route because if i hadn't i don't know i just think it wouldn't it would lose a little bit of authenticity. Like I look at the first issue um, that I did in 2019 and I, I did it with just a font or whatever. Right. And it was, you know, it got the job done, but it, it didn't, it, I look at the art and then I compare it to the letters and there's a disconnect. It doesn't look cohesive. Like it's a little micro hiccup that I think I am able to like get ahead of now mm-hmm. with having the book, have like a, a more authentic lettering approach which is is cool to see yeah do you use procreate to lay in your lettering or or uh indesign or like what what kind of programs are you using to go in so it's a little bit complicated but it it uses a little bit of everything so okay. i actually would like highly recommend the book that i use as like a, a studying uh, tool for it is nate picos's mm. um comic book guide to lettering or i forget the title of it but that thing is like for like 25 bucks this dude's giving away the whole candy store as far as i'm concerned oh yeah it's insane and so i've been i've taken a lot of like the principles that he lays out and use that as my like guidepost Uh uh-huh so i'll letter it in through illustrator and then what i what i originally planned on doing was having it um laid over in InDesign, but I actually found that the way that I'm printing it, it'll be easier to just export it through um, Illustrator baked into uh, the actual line art. 
Interesting. And also because it's like not like a, the way that I the files are set up, I just don't think it would be conducive to the way that I'm printing it. But right. yeah, I, I'm like, like what, if there's anything that I could recommend <laughs> like <laughs> to anybody for like understanding lettering, it's yeah. 100% that book. Like that book like totally changed my mindset um, in a way that I didn't think it would. Not to say that I didn't think it would be like insightful, but uh-huh. like definitely like made me like reevaluate a whole lot yeah it's it's maybe the most in-depth technical guide on comics that's ever been written (laughs) like yeah well it's cool too because like for me when i look for stuff like that like you know understanding comics is cool and i super super like recommend that book and i think it's great but i think it's more theoretical right Mm -hmm. and like comics in a lot of ways is a trade it's the same thing with like you know film and like that's the way that i would approach like making movies it's like kind of a trade so Mm -hmm. to see this book come out that has like it's like no nonsense this is how you do it like just do it it's awesome right i'm curious to know like in putting together the kickstarter do you have like before you set out do you already know like how you're going to print what the paper stock is going to be like all of that stuff is that stuff already just basically set in stone by the time you you launch or are you kind of still like figuring some of that out as you go? So I have an idea in mind of what I want it to be. I ultimately will like rely on like a proof to see what like if, if what I thought is the best method is, Mm. but a lot of that stuff I've been thinking about since like long before I even finished the book, because I was like, I don't want there to be any downtime when this thing is done. I want to get it out there. Cause I've been, you know, it's been in my head for so long and I've been like thinking about it so much for so many years at this point that I, I like really, it's time to get out of my head and go into other people's heads, you know, and like right. spend some time there. And uh, yeah. And so like, even when it comes down to like the Kickstarter, like getting things like the different tiers are things that I've thought about for a long time, the naming of it, the the way that it's laid out, all these different elements, those things are like always top of mind because like you know you know i've spent a lot of time working in marketing Mm. and like i think anything even especially on like like a kickstarter page if i just see something that's like yeah like this is like somebody's trying to do their thing if i don't see it as like polished in my mind or like this is like cohesive it's Mm. like kind of like what i was talking about with lettering it's just like a micro like hiccup that may not seem like a lot to somebody but if I notice it, then odds are that maybe somebody else will notice it. And sure, I'm like hyper-focused on it, but I don't want people to notice it. And so, right. if there are things that I can do, whether it's, you know, like I said, setting up the Kickstarter page in such a way where there's no um, distractions from what I'm trying to do, or uh, when it comes to the comic, making it so it's not the kind of thing where somebody picks it up and says, uh, Oh yeah, I like the image. Uh, I like the image style, uh, perfect bound book better than what this is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, uh, those kinds of things I think are little, little moments that I would like to try and, uh, get ahead of. Totally. Hopefully that answers your question. I feel like it, the big takeaway for me when I answer your questions is a lot of the time I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit rambly. No, it, I love a ramble, dude. It's fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious. So, like, in, in the forward for the book, you mentioned, like, being involved 
in hardcore? Like what, what has your kind of relationship been to hardcore for, for your life? Yeah. So it's kind of like, uh, complex. Like I, I started, like you mentioned, I started going to hardcore shows in, um, like early high school. Mm -hmm. Um, and like the first time I went, I was like hooked right away and everything else became unimportant. It was like, I'm going to play guitar. I'm going to be famous and I'm going to be in a hardcore band. I want to go on tour, all these things. Um, and eventually I realized like, you know what? I'm not going to be that, but I am good at making like little video projects and I can like film these bands. That's like a, a way to get in contact with them. And then maybe right. I can talk to them if they're like a touring band. Maybe I can do some videos for them to um, post about. And at the time, right, the idea of like having a, a content creator, you know, which is like a word that I, I don't really like to use, <laughs> but um, like that idea of somebody there capturing all these moments was like, that's stupid. Why would we ever do that? And so the bands that you were able to like get them to listen to you, it was like, cool, you've talked, you're talking to the wrong guy because I'm never going to let you go. And so I like start, started making these connections and like working for people and filming like bigger and bigger and bigger bands. Uh-huh. And um, as time went by, um, I like was able to go on tour and I did like warp tour and I went to Europe with uh, the same band that I did uh, warp tour with. And yeah, it's just been something that is like hardcore has been so influential to me because it's like kind of like how I'm doing the comic, right? Like it's, it's a DIY, like do it yourself mentality is like at the forefront of Mm -hmm. uh, the hardcore scene. And it's that same way with like my comics, right? I'm just going to do it. Like, I don't want to wait for somebody to give me permission to like do it. Like, like, you know, I think it's like, cool to be able to have this idea, go out and do it and like, see how it goes. And if it doesn't work, cool. Try it, try another thing and like, keep going. And, um, a lot of those ideals I think are like still present in, you know, jobs I take or, uh, you know, the way I approach creative projects or anything really. Um, and I, I think like where I'm at now with hardcore is, I like, I, I love hardcore, but I think like as time gets by, I'm like becoming the old man in the hardcore world, <laughs> which is fine with me. Like I'm, I'm totally cool with being that person. Uh-huh. Um, and I think like it is a young, young person's world. Um, but I want to be able to like still contribute to that scene. Um, even if at from a distance. So mm-hmm. that's part of why too, I was like, you know, this book, like I got to do it. Cause like hardcore has given me so much. It's something that is like, once you're in it, it like for better or for worse, will change your life. Right. And, um, I don't think that there's anything else in the world really, maybe, maybe comics, but, uh, that, that, that'll do that for you, which is cool. It's really freaking cool. And I, I, I love any work that like is a, a window into a niche that I, haven't ever looked into is always you know a work that i just really enjoy like it it, it, it's cool to be able to take something like this that 
like i'm probably not gonna dive into like a bunch of wikipedia pages about hardcore or like watch a bunch of videos or whatever but like reading a narrative like this and having that be kind of like my window into this world that i know nothing about is like my kind of my preferred method like it's you know it's the thing that i love about like you know box brown's uh uh work you know if you've ever read any of his comics like the andy kaufman or andre the giant book or the tetris book like yeah yeah you know you're you're able to learn about these things that like i would have never uh (laughs) sought that information out if it wasn't in the form of a comic book and like this is kind of the same thing where it's like i i find it so fascinating in a way that for some reason comics is like the ideal (laughs) the ideal form for me to find out about it you know and i I think what it is is it's like less intimidating it's less intimidating than having to like go experience that thing because like i'm the Mm -hmm. same way and i think you know, going to a hard, if you tell like some, some normie, like, Hey, go, uh, go to see this band called terror. It'll be a really fun time. I'm sure it sounds fun. The band name like terror, you know, like, <laughs> uh, they're not going to be, um, I, I just don't think that someone would be like e- eagerly being like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. But right. you know, if there, if there's a, a book about it, uh, is something that isn't like, you know, uh, you know, the book of Genesis of hardcore, if you will, like <laughs> where it's this person, we got this person, but make it. So it's like a narratively interesting, but right. also something that like, if, if you do find yourself getting deeper into that world, you can go back and look mm-hmm. through it and find these things and, and understand a little bit more each time. Like that, that's cool to me. Hell yeah. That's kind of like one of the guiding principles of what I wanted to do with the book. It's sick, man. It's and it's such a good book. And like I, I truly for every listener uh, who feels like oh, hardcore is not my thing. This is like not, you know, uh, like uh, I don't know if I'm really going to be into this. Like I, I'm right there with you. And this, like, it's a, it's a very good book. And it's, it's like a really fun time. And it, it's a breezy read too. Like there's, there's a lot in here. But like it, I, I was shocked at like how quickly, uh, it went by. And like it's a, it's a like really well-paced like book that doesn't i I don't know it it doesn't feel like it really drags at any point or anything like it's it's a fun fun book to read thank you i appreciate that that's like definitely something that uh is nice to hear because you're the only other person who's read it nobody nobody else has read it so it's it's kind of cool to to hear that firsthand and like cool to know that it's not too weighty because i think sometimes with like the history or like historical fiction Uh or you know you can get too much into the like right like weeds about well actually um, this is what it is and like the whole reason why i I put at the beginning of the book like it is historical fiction Mm -hmm. because like some of i'm taking some liberties like i'm not gonna lie i'm taking some liberties with some of the stuff but also like you, you don't want to read, like I said, the book of Genesis that is the history of hardcore, right? Like no. nobody, yeah, nobody you don't want to read a, an illustrated Wikipedia page or whatever. You know? Right. Yeah. Like that's kind of like, you know, not fun for anybody. And also if you're going to be spending like your own money on this thing, like I want to be entertained, you know, like I want to, yeah. I want to be able to say like, oh yeah, I learned something new, but also it wasn't like going to school or like, you know, for <laughs> me, I love going to school, you know, but like, Right. certain people like that's not interesting to them so yeah um and it's not they, what you go to comics for it just like i mean books in right. general like there i i go to learn about stuff but like 
not an I don't I don't read textbooks casually, mm-hmm. right? Like I read yeah. I read novels, I read you know nonfiction. Like I read books. I don't read textbooks. Yeah, as a as a hobby. Yeah, well, that's like the way I, I think. Like part of why I like I have such a, it's such a, like a strong guiding principle of the book for me because I read the um, biography of Ulysses S. Grant um, when that came out, uh-huh. um, and it's like a thousand page book or something stupid like that. Um, and it's good, but it, um, it's one of those things where like, it's just a history, like purely history. Like this is like fully researched to like, this is what he had for breakfast on that day kind of thing, (laughs) which is, it's cool. Right. But it's not, you're not going to be like walking away from that book going, I'll read that again. Right. Like I still talk about the book and I read it like, you know, four years ago or something like that. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know that I would ever go back to reading it. I'm happy I read it, but oh, of I, course. I just don't think like that's something that is useful to an everyday person and to like show your uh, like subculture to the world. I don't want it to be like, Hey, uh, you know, Mr. Accountant, uh, I know you are picking up this book and like, it could be interesting, but you have to know all these like very like, like minute details about uh, right. how, how many times, to- how many different bands this guy was in and all that kind of stuff. Like I want the opposite. I want it to be like something where somebody can pick it up, have like a general notion. And if they want to learn more, I want them to have resources within that book mm-hmm. to be able to like find out more and to like learn a little bit more about that culture and then eventually get them to the point where it's like, they don't need it. They don't need the crutch of it anymore. They can, they can go do what they need to. Right. Right. Makes total sense, man. And it's, I I do feel like you're, you've been really successful in it here. Like you've, you've struck, struck exactly the right balance between like giving a lot of information and giving a story that is first and foremost, a story. Um, You know, like it's, it's, it's a tough thing to do with these kind of subjects. Like I'm, I'm, you know, breaking a thing right now. That's like entirely, you know, it's, it's nonfiction, but I'm wanting to make it into something that's like focused and not, you know, such a Wikipedia article. That's not like a cradle to grave, whatever thing like, and it's tough to find the balance between like how much information and, and deep dive are people going to want and how much is like just unnecessary and going to drag on like just drag too much and i i it's a tough you know balance to pull off and like i I feel like you did it really well here well thanks man that means a lot especially coming from you hey man um and and just uh as we wrap up here everyone make sure that you go and follow hunter uh his instagram is at black x writer um r-i-d-e-r yeah follow me there and of course the kickstarter yeah kickstarter and like i talked about i have like a, a pinup gallery of artists some of them are friends of mine some of them are bigger bigger names that are also friends of mine which is cool mm-hmm. um so i i don't want to reveal too much because <laughs> uh y'all got to get to the stretch goals to get that information Absolutely. from me absolutely man no and it's 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 sick as hell like follow follow hunter check out the link to the kickstarter is on his instagram page um but it's also uh kickstarter.com slash project slash the history of hardcore but it's a good book and like i 
if all the people are that are listening right now go and back the book, I am sure that it will get far past its its initial goal and and probably even into some stretch goals. So you um, could all give a dollar, and hey. that would be great. Like <laughs> perfect if four hundred people give a dollar. There we go. We're done. So. Yeah, it's 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 a sick book, and I can't wait to see it come to fruition. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to have it on my shelf personally. Um, but yeah. uh, even Jason has contributed, guys. It's so, true. I backed it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm stoked, man, and and I can't wait to see it on shelves, and uh, I can't wait for the people to find out about uh, the next project that we have cooking afterward as well, and have them yeah. right next to each other. Very, um, very sneaky. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, the last question that we ask everyone who comes on the show is, why do you love comics? Comics are unlike any other medium out there. And you can express so much without having to get too many people involved. And I think like it's great, like we talked about this whole time, right? It's great to get people involved in your creative projects. But the the barrier for entry is so low. You got a pencil, you got an eraser, you got a piece of paper, you can make comics. And I think like, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter uh, how young you are. You, you can tell your story. It can be any story. And there are places for you to tell that story, um, whether it be digitally online or being able to print it yourself. And I think that is what makes comics so cool to me. And it's just, you know, if you can think it up in your head and you know you can draw it or maybe you pay somebody to draw it or whatever it is, right? Like, it can be there. There doesn't need to be a whole lot of uh, other people financially, like, controlling the the way that your story is going. (laughs) And uh, that's pretty cool to me. And it's just, like, comics are awesome. Like, that's – I know it's, like, kind of like a, a cheap answer, but there's there's really nothing like it and i think to have something that it's just not it's not like books or like i guess prose it's not like just art and the melding of them to uh the two of those things together mm-hmm. creates this thing that is like so unique and unlike anything else out there but like so yeah like i got like i guess i would just call it like life changing it's just so cool so cool Hunter Delaney, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thank you once again to Hunter Delaney for joining the show. Uh, Make sure to check out his Kickstarter. There's like one friggin' day left to get in on it. So get in there. Uh, You can follow him at BlackXWriter on Instagram. Uh, Go to kickstarter.com slash project slash the history of hardcore to check out his book and back it. Um, Thank you to Chris Ryan for the music. You can follow him at Hi Chris Ryan. Um, Thanks to all of you one more time for listening to the friggin' show. Uh, I hope you're all enjoying comics and making comics and having a good time. I don't know. Shoot me, DM me shit. If it like, if you're working on something right now, if you've got like a Kickstarter coming up or something like that, DM me, let me know. Or if you got a web tune out there, I don't know, man, I, I, I want to hear about it. And I'll, next time I record one of these, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about whatever I've received from people in the intervening time. Talk about some stuff that I've just been digging, reading. Um, cause there's a lot of it. There's, there's so many new stuff that I've discovered since the last time I recorded and so many people that I want to get on the show and just so many comics I would love to, to share with the world. Um, 
because of the whatever comics are fucking awesome uh thank you all for listening and have a nice time